knew everyone on the street by name. Everyone. I smile and nod and tell myself that it's good to listen to another human being. I spend so much time on my own that there are days where I don't even speak aloud. So in these fleeting summer months, I force myself to sit outside and listen to whatever Edith has to say. Whether it's generational racism or a boring story about her trip to the doctors. But today I can't even face Edith. My hands have been shaking all afternoon and the noodles slither off the trembling fork before reaching my mouth. My thoughts are black. Everything is something to be afraid of. The slight niggle in my calf is a blood clot. The heartburn is a heart attack. The headache is a brain tumour. I have to place down my fork and take a deep breath. In and out. In and out. Hannah, you are not dying, I say. There. I spoke today. It was to myself, but I spoke. There is nothing wrong with you. Eat your noodles. Cavendish Street is more than the place I live. It's my whole world. There was a time when the entire planet was my whole world, but I stopped going abroad years ago. Gradually, my world shrank smaller and smaller until the end of the street felt like a marathon. And it's not something I consciously changed. It just sort of happened. Like a habit, I rerouted. It's so easy to stay in now. I can order anything online. I work from home. I have a treadmill and a bike in a spare bedroom that serves as my office. They gather dust, but I have them for the times I begin to panic about having a stroke in my forties. There's only me, so the bills are inexpensive. And I can make a living writing articles and editing stories for clients. It's not so bad, really. I have a trip to the co-op on the days where I feel up to it, when the world doesn't seem to be imploding on top of me and pushing me down until I can't breathe. I sigh and stand up. The noodles will have to go. I'm too wired to eat. I scrape the cold, congealed mess into the bin and rinse the plate under the tap. The water spurts out twice before flowing, which I should get fixed but never feel like arranging. I don't like people in my house. I hate the gas men who appear unannounced, waving their lanyards in my face and calling me love. I hate the sound of knuckles on the door and the people who ignore the doorbell or my polite request for visitors to use the back door. The letterbox jars me on the days I'm not expecting mail-order books or catalogue bras. The loud thunk has my heart pattering beneath my cardigan. There's too much noise in this place. The radio is off with a click from my jerking finger. Then the window is slammed shut, trapping me in a house that smells like soy sauce and oil. At least it blocks the sound of the baby crying three doors up. I need a distraction from this creeping anxiety. I know the warning signs now. I know to watch out for the waves of panic and the dark thoughts. But what I don't know is how to stop it for good. So I turn back to the kitchen pour a finger of chilled vodka into a tumbler and turn on the kitchen taps to finish the washing up. The vodka is gone before the sink is full of water. Pan scraped, plate cleaned, cutlery placed on the drainer. I'm not a natural cleaner, but the chore is familiar and reassuring. My shoulders drop a little as I'm drying my hands on the tea towel, but then there's some commotion outside that catches my attention. For the last month... All Edith has talked about is the potential new owners of number 72, the house directly opposite mine. 
Edith is obsessed with this house because the last owner died. Every time I think about it, I shiver. There is nothing unusual, not in the way he died. The old guy was in his 70s and had a heart attack sat in his armchair. His name was Derek. He'd always seemed like a kind man, even though we didn't really talk. Every now and then he would wave to me through the window, and he used to chat to Edith on his way to the co-op. What's unsettling is how he was found. His son's family, including two children under ten, walked in to find a three-day-old corpse sat upright on the antique velvet armchair. I shudder. If Derek had died anywhere else, I probably would have seen his body and called an ambulance. But his grey head poking above the back of the armchair was a normal sight for me. He could have been taking a nap or watching television. I don't spend a whole lot of time in my living room. I'm usually in my office on the other side of the house. Otherwise, I might have noticed that he hadn't moved. The whole thing shook me up.